Um, how are you guys? How's how's the press junket going? How's the press tour going? Good. You guys are the finale of today, yeah. so yeah, this is, this is it. in style. Do you after this that uh, we have the rest of the night off? I believe, unless okay. they call last minute. Spider Chrissy, let me just apologize. Um, we're in a dark age of digital digital content and media, and there are over four million podcasts now, and I can only imagine what a gauntlet a PR tour through podcast would be like you come into a show blank. You don't know who we are. And then you're kind of like stuck with us for X amount of time. Yeah. Um, it's terrible. Yeah. And <laughs> I promise to try and make this as entertaining or at least, I don't know, easy going for you. Uh, we have kind of a casual style here. So I don't know if you have any questions or want us to shut up, just go ahead and say so. Yeah. No. Sure. Yeah. Listen, there's a wide range of quality. Mm-hmm. Some <laughs> some jump right in and talk about their the hair on their back, and others don't. You know. So we'll, uh, we know. We want to keep you on your toes, is what we're doing. Try. Yeah. Appreciate wow. that. <laughs> now, Spider, you're you're on the road, right? You're uh, you're on tour. Yeah, I'm on tour, uh, and I have a day off and i am in uh the lovely hilton in raleigh north carolina right now oh wow and i've been sitting here all day doing this so <laughs> i actually got some dominoes i was very excited about that it was the highlight of my day <laughs> and uh yeah back at it tomorrow he, another no, he was very excited about dominoes <laughs> this was the first listen this was the first pizza of the tour so i was very thrilled to- <laughs> how's the tour going it's amazing. It's great. It's a huge summer tour. So, uh, you know, it's us and it's, it's, you know, it's full on nineties kid heaven. It's us, static X, Mudvayne, and Rob zombie. So, you know, it's like, who could ask for a better tour than that? You know, it's a big show. Yeah. So it's been fun. Where are you guys located? Uh, we're, we're in San Francisco in the Bay area. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not making it up there, unfortunately on this one, but yeah. What the hell was that about? I did not route the tour. They just tell me where to go, and I show up. Wait, the nineties happened here. You know what I mean? <laughs> did they? Yeah, they did. it happened. Maybe round two will get up there. Now, now, Chrissy, you you've been in bands for a, a good portion, and I know you've done the tour life. Are, are you are you jealous of Spider right now, or you're you're glad that that he's out there road dogging it, and you'll let him have that? It's it's mixed emotions. You know, I, I miss playing live. I miss touring, but. We actually just wrapped our newest movie, and so I've been in post. Just I've been doing that every day, so it's kind of good that I'm home and able to be working on that and any last minute allegoria stuff. So I think if we were both on the road, it might be a little stressful right now. But I will definitely go out and see some shows when they get to the West Coast. So that's exciting. I'm looking forward to that. But would you say, like you know, you and you mentioned it that there's really like no substitution for performing live. Do you still feel that way? Me? Me? Yeah, both both of you guys. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, Spider yeah. would agree with this. I think he'll I'll let him answer too. But I, I definitely think like there's nothing more immediate of a payoff than getting on stage and having a great crowd and getting to just yeah, just that high. Like you can't go to bed for hours after every show. It's just there's nothing like that. There's nothing that immediate. Um, what do you think, Spider? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a nice balance to the film stuff because, you know, the film stuff is a, although we make films in like record speed, um, they're, you know, they are a slower process. And um, so it's, yeah, it's a nice balance to have done a film and then get on the road and just 
create chaos for a half an hour on stage and then you're done with it. And, uh, yeah, it's different every night and it's, uh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's still, uh, you know, you know, there are, that's what, you know, there are no more surprises for me in music. Um, but it, it's still, it's still incredibly fun and rewarding and like the best job in the world. But that's why this, the movie stuff has become so important because now it's just a whole set of new challenges and, even small things are exciting. You know what I mean? I get, I've gotten more nervous at our screening of Allegoria in LA in front of like a hundred people than playing last night in front of 10,000. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's a whole different thing. Like the, I'm used to one thing and, and now I'm stepping into an arena of, um, you know, listen, I'm used to being told I'm suck in music. So now I'm going to get used to it. And- <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, Chrissy, do you feel the same way, you know, with just like, you know, the film and the music and, you know, that sort of the, the differing environments? Yeah, I, I think that, I, you know, I started out in acting early on and then I took a long break and I was just doing music for a long time and I really missed it. And definitely going back to this now, it feels fresh all over again. And it's it's it was very welcoming for me. I was just like, yeah, I felt like I needed to mix it up and I've been doing music constantly although I, I tend to still do that with the films but um but yeah it's definitely a fresh perspective and when you're actually producing or writing or directing or you know do it's a whole other thing to sit in an audience with people and see how they react to what you created it's it feels very vulnerable but in a completely different way than writing a song or performing a song so I, I love it it's just been so much fun and now I think we're just addicted we can't stop making movies. <laughs> Yeah, so how did how did you guys uh, get paired together? How did how did this whole relationship start? Um, well, she couldn't uh, resist my charms. You know what can I say? Yeah, that was definitely what it was. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I mean yes, but no. <laughs> Spider and I met a really long time ago at uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery. You can't even make this shit up. And so there we go. <laughs> so yeah, so we've been friends for a really long time, and we started out early on as friends. Just making uh he had a concept for a tv series and he wanted to shoot a proof of concept and i was acting and he asked me to act in it which ended up being death valley that was on mtv um so that was kind of how our entire relationship friendship started and then you know years went on and we ended up creating this production company one fox productions and it's developed into this other beast that I think neither one of us expected, but it's been great. And it's so nice to have someone that you're a partner with and you have a cheerleader all the time. It's, it's really great to just, you know, have the two of us there supporting each other. That's right. Russell, we have a very similar story too. You know? <laughs> Did you guys meet in a cemetery? <laughs> uh, close enough. A warehouse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It was a cemetery of our dreams. Yeah. You know, it's uh uh, but yeah, uh, so Russ, I know, I know you want to, you want to touch on Death Valley. So since we're already there, so hey, you started the show yet? Is this the show? Oh, we're rolling, baby. Okay, I didn't know if we were just like getting to know each other. I mean, it was like nice, a, we're going nice and easy. A theme song or something. Okay, cool. We're in it. All right. Just want to try to behave. I just thought we were. Oh, you're doing. Around. You're doing. Cool. <laughs> All right, Russ, get in there. Death Valley. No, I'm actually curious. So. The Hollywood Cemetery you're at, they do screenings there, right? Yes, they do. Yeah, we just actually went to one. We saw. Aliens, uh, not even what, like a month ago? It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, right before yeah. tour. Yeah, they do great events. They do tons of like parties and movie screenings and concerts. And we actually met at a, 
a launch party. This was in 2006. We they had a launch party for the video game Gears of War, and neither one of us play video games, but somehow we ended up at this party, and I guess it was fate that brought us together. And I made fun of her sweater, and the rest is history. We together <laughs> since. The- what the hell does a launch party for Gears of War look like? I'm imagining it was intense, man. So, so you roll up, you get out, you you park your car, uh, you know, you get out of your car, and then you get ambushed by soldiers, right? And they're like screaming at you, like "Get on the truck!" And they throw you on the back of this military truck and drive you through the uh, cemetery and to the where the party's at. And there's explosions going off. It's pretty intense. Yeah, it's really cool. Only in LA that you can do something like that. Okay. What the fuck? That sounds amazing. I was ready yeah. for it to be terrible. Pass. No, I mean, I don't know if the game is terrible, but the party was fun. <laughs> the game, you know, the, the main complaint about Gears of War is that you can't jump in it, which I, <laughs> I, I realize to people that don't play video games, you might not understand how irritating that is. So yeah. I had a I had a roommate in college okay. um, that got ranked number two in the world at Gears of War. <laughs> Or at least that's the story he told me. That's right. And, you know, I don't know. I was just upset that he brought in cocaine in the living room. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe it helped him, you know, get to the number two ranking. Who am I to, you know, yeah. no. okay. impeach on someone's creative art? You got more Gears of War stories? That's okay. <laughs> well, so yesterday uh, we were trying our best. I'm going to go ahead and blame one of our producers here, Oksana, who uh, is also the love of my life. You can go ahead and say hi. Hi. She could not figure out how to get the screener to work for your film. So we were just like, God damn it. Yeah, long story yeah, short, she's a drunk. Don't you? I you would think it was that easy, but yet it's turned into like two days of communication, which is fine. Because then I was like, dude, we're not gonna miss this opportunity. So we started digging around the internet, the best way to get to know people you haven't met before. And I came across Death Valley for the first time. And we deal with a lot of found footage horror and like in-world camera, um, like faux documentary. And run a found footage film festival. Yeah. And I thought it was shocking that I had missed this like Christopher Guest type horror sitcom. Uh, Not really a sitcom, more like cops. Yeah. And, you know, I was listening also, um, shout out to the movie crypt and your interview on there. Uh, I'm going to try and steer away from too much music today, but if you want to hear about that, you both were on there and, uh, great interviews. So go check that out. But on death Valley, when you, when it came up and you were talking to them, uh, it sounded like MTV was just interested in doing a reality show. So I'm kind of curious, like from writing that narratively dealing with like a film crew on the ground filming it like did the Blair Witch play any like kind of influence at all uh I mean not really I mean it really was when I first brought the idea to Death Valley I I pitched it um as a not a comedy as a serious like I just wanted to be like this brutal drama about cops that have to deal with zombies and werewolves and you know, vampires in the San Fernando Valley, but, and they loved the idea. They loved it, but they, they were hell bent on it being a comedy. And normally I wouldn't bend something like that, but you know, I took a moment to think about it. I was like, you know what, this actually could make a great comedy. Um, you know, and since we've seen like what we do in the shadows and all these things, you know, it was, it was a bit ahead of its time, I think. Um, but it was always meant to be scripted, 
Um, they, yeah, their only stipulation is they really wanted some humor. Um, and we just went for it and it was, uh, it was amazing experience. And I, th- I think there was a lot of love for that show. Um, and it just, um, unfortunately the mandate at MTV changed about halfway through our season and they decided they were just going to go back to skewing programming like hundred percent female and we knew we were sort of dead in the water at that point because we were like punchy zo- punching zombies through their skulls and, you know, having distended homeless zombies blowing up on the streets of Van Nuys. Girls so like that too. Knew- <laughs> What's that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, they, may- they, they didn't realize that girls like that too, apparently. Yeah, I believe horror, um, the largest demographic is women. I think women mostly love horror movies. Yeah. My mom's the one that got me into it. And... As now we're hypercritical, uh, me especially, of like in world camera stuff and horror comedies. Like, wow, it is easy to fuck up a horror comedy. I um, agree. I mean, I, I'm not uh, traditionally a fan of horror comedies. I mean, we, of course, there's Shaun yeah. of the Dead, and there's certain ones that like stand out as being brilliant, but I've, I was never that fond of mixing the two worlds in really like most of my favorite horror movies don't really, I mean, look, there's humor in everything. And if, if there isn't some humor in a film or TV show, it, it tends to play a bit dull, but I mean, in terms of just being straight comedy mixed with horror, yeah, I've, I've never honestly been one uh, to be attracted to that. So it was, it was a pretty big challenge to, uh, to make it work. And I mean, we had a pr- such an absurd, premise that i think it lent itself to it um but yeah it is it's generally not done well uh, yeah know. and um which is why i was shocked that i dude from what i saw at death valley it fucking worked and I, the reason I, I wanted to bring it up was because you know most of the people listen to the show because we kind of give found footage a uh, platform where we look at it seriously and a little too seriously honestly mm-hmm. and i highly recommend people seek it out is it available anywhere I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. It was, it was on Netflix for a brief stand and I don't think it's on there anymore. I mean, I think your best bet is probably just digging up episodes on YouTube or something because, uh, which is what we did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I have no idea. It's been so long. I mean, that was, I think that aired in 2011 or 12. So it's, you know, we attempted to resurrect it a couple of times, but it just became too complicated. And, um, so, you know, some things are just meant to move along from, or, you know, maybe in 10 years it, become something again but um yeah i think it's it's probably out i mean everything's out there somewhere right yeah randy can you actually look into that if you're still hanging out because I, i'm actually very curious about it uh randy's our faceless engineer yeah um, <laughs> lurking in the shadows okay he looks better than us so we make him turn off his camera oh there we go oh, okay. oh, there he is yeah <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and he's gone. okay no. good. well i mean okay so here's the thing um, I'm speaking not as a critic because I'd, I'd like to think our show, we're not critics. We're not qualified for it. We are involved with the film fest, but that's fine. We're also cool. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're so. really cool. Um, I would say we're enthusiasts. And if I'm going to come from like a general audience, like I'm just a guy who got off my nine to five job and I'm going to jump on Tubi or Amazon Prime and watch a movie. The one hurdle I think you two are going to have is that you're musicians. And a lot of the time, Whenever an artist just crushes in one uh, lane of art, they think they can like shift over and they can just do it again. And um, so I think the only stigma you guys are going to face is just having been related to the music field. And I mean, we look um, 
clearly you're both familiar with Rob Zombie, a constant topic on the show of like, there are people who love all his work or not fans. And then we usually go down a path of comparing it to like the other end of the pendulum, which is like a 24 or we get other artists in here like Danzig. And you <laughs> almost get that. Like I am a firm believer that there is no such thing as so bad. It's good. And I think <laughs> Danzig just has his own lane mm-hmm. and just does whatever the fuck he wants. And sure. He might have a lot of people around him who won't be critical of his work because they like him. But man, I, I should have worn my Veronica shirt. I non-ironically love it. And, you know, when we have an opportunity to talk to you, it's kind of like we're just going to parse out where you fit here. Like, um, are you big horror fans? I mean, I kind of already get the vibe that you are. But like, Yeah, of course. I mean, I personally have, I can't remember a time that I didn't love or sci-fi comic books, you know, I mean, I just grew that was just my thing and my jam since I was, you know, I was drawing pictures of monsters and superheroes when I was five years old. I had my own, I had my own imaginary comic book company that I made comics in the third grade. So, I mean, you know, um, you know, my parents kind of just stayed out of our way in just didn't censor anything we watched not because they were like these like radical liberal parents i just think they didn't maybe know how to say no (laughs) or we or we were good at hiding it so you know i'm like watching clockwork orange at 10 years old i'm you know we're going to the video store renting you know you you run straight to the horror sci-fi section and look for the most disgusting cover art and like yep this is basket case let's go you know what i mean and so it's just always been a part of who I am. Um, you know, so it's, it's definitely, you know, I mean, it, I think it shows through in the music and the aesthetic of the music and everything else I've done in my life. Um, so I think that, you know, there's, there's not going to be, if you're, if we're talking about sort of judgment on like, who is this guy who sings in a band who thinks he can now make music? I mean, it's really something that I've been involved with my whole life. Um, so there there certainly can't be called out as not being authentic. You know, it's, there's, there's no bandwagon jumping here, you know? So, so what are, what are the movies that you guys like? Like, what are some heavy, like, are you, do you watch movies all the time or are you the kind of artists that are like just creatively busy and you're not really, no, we we watch, (laughs) we watch movies all probably at least a movie a day, right? Yeah. We we're hardcore horror fans so we will watch everything like anything that comes out we get really excited if we're like oh what horror movies are coming out this month and we try to make a point to watch all of them um we just enjoy what we you know when we rewatch classics and revisit things i mean for me the films that i grew up loving like the original texas chainsaw massacre made me fall in love with horror like that there is nothing that I'd ever experienced. I was so young when I saw that film and I should not have seen it at that age, but it just completely changed the way I looked at movies and the things I, you know, and I, I was a very, you know, for a girl that looks like maybe she should be a cheerleader when I was in high school, I was like very alternative girl. And when I saw films like the craft, I was like that, those are my people right there. Those girls, you know, so horror made me feel very included and understood. And, you know, there's music, like, you know, bands like Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson and things like that, that I was like, okay, you know, 
there, there is a place for me here. Cause, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I never felt inside the way I looked on the outside, I think, and the way my personality comes across. So yeah, horror kind of made me feel seen. And, you know, I was super young when the original screen came out and just having that level of comedy and horror, but it also being really, really terrifying. I fell in love with that. And that definitely heavily influenced the things I write and the things I like, you know, um, the type of horror I like, the type of gore I like. Have you guys seen Nope yet? I I saw it. What'd you think? Uh, I I don't like to give my opinion like publicly on stuff. Um, I just, you know, I I realized that like I just signed up for Letterboxd, right? And I I won't review movies because I feel like who cares what I think? You know what I mean? And especially like when you're in this world and, but I mean, look, I, I'm a huge Jordan Peele fan. I think if I met him, we would be like best friends. Like, I feel like it would just like, I don't know, there's an aesthetic there that I really relate to. I love that he is, um, is a huge horror fan, but he clearly is influenced by, um, you know, a twilight zone aesthetic and which is, you know, for me, Allegoria, one of the main influences was night gallery, which was of course, you know, the, the horror version of, of twilight zone. So I feel like there's a lot, you know, I would, I would think we would have in common. Um, I did think, I, I did think Nope had some issues, but you know, it's not for me to say what, I don't know. I'm just not, I just don't like talking about other people's stuff because I know how hard it is to do anything sure. in life. So I, I'm not, a, I'm not comfortable with being like publicly critical necessarily. Of yeah, I, th- I think like we're both mutually cheerleaders for anybody that makes something period. And if you make something that yeah. looks great and is well put together, I, I don't think either one of us would ever say anything bad. I haven't seen it yet. I'm really excited to see it. Um, but I think that, you know, just even if you did a $5 movie, if you complete it, you deserve all the credit in the world. You don't deserve someone to shit all over you. You know what I mean? It's just like, no, for sure. And, and you know, that's, that's uh, sort of a big point that we've taken, not only on the show, but just in our personal lives too. Like, you know, it's always big. We don't want to punch down. We don't ever want to do that, but we'll punch up. Baby. So, you know, the, the Russo brothers, you know, they got it covered. All right. So I'll shit all over the Russo brothers. Cause I don't care, but you know, um, you know, again, you know, we deal with independent film and like, you know, that's what drives us and that's what interests us. And so, you know, um, talking to people who are really in it and really doing the thing. And, you know, again, certainly not taking away from, you know, the battles of the studio system. I get that, but it's its own little industry there. And so we like to deal in the, the outer fringes of things. And, you know, sometimes, um, you know, I, and again, that's why I sort of, you know, gave that tongue in cheek commentary about critics at the beginning of just because, you know, uh, I, I, I get sick of that shit too, man. And, well, um, yeah, you know, I think that what's happened is, you know, I was talking a little bit, this, uh, touched on this on the movie crypt a little bit, because I think those guys have a similar attitude is that when, you know, when I talk about being a kid and just loving all this stuff and just, you know, immersing myself in these different cultures of nerddom, I suppose, you know, I just remember loving everything because I was just so happy that it, it existed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Star Wars came out and I loved Star Wars, but then, you know what? I know Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers in the 21st century weren't as good as Star Wars, but I fucking love those too, because I just, I was just so happy that somebody out there was making this cool shit for me. And I feel like, unfortunately, you know, 
we we live in a culture now where the exact opposite seems to be the mandate. The mandate now is to let's figure out what's wrong with this. Let's figure out why this sucks. Let's figure out why this, you know, and it's just, I think it's just a, you know, it's such a backwards way of, of, of thinking. It doesn't mean you, you have to love everything, but you should, if you are truly involved in this community of horror or sci-fi or anything that is, you know, outside of the mainstream, so to speak, I think you should be a cheerleader for everybody. You should be excited that people are out there making an effort to entertain you. You know what I mean? To try to present something to for you that we can all kind of connect and bond over. So I, I've tried to, as I get older, to keep reminding myself of that and go back to that spirit of when I was little. Because, you know, we all get jaded in those, those you know, our 20s and 30s. Everything sucks and whatever, you know. But uh, I think it's important that, you know, we've, we've just, man, we've just come to a, such a place of negativity. I think it's important that people maybe begin to appreciate um, that people are out there trying to do cool things, you know, and maybe you don't always hit it out of the park, Yeah. but so what, you know what I mean? So what? Well, I think people forget how personal, you know, making a film and writing and directing and acting like people are putting such a huge piece of themselves out there. And it's just like, you know, give people some credit instead of just yeah. talking shit about them, you know? <laughs> Fucking Twitter, man. <laughs> it's, well, it's not even Twitter. I think audiences just need to like think. And it's, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Letterboxd because I get into a constant argument on the show because the way I rate movies are based on like the level of entertainment. The I way have. you rate movies is based <laughs> upon your mental illness. They make no sense. No, and you know, if I love a movie, I, it's, hey, perfect. Five stars because I loved it. It's like, who the fuck? I'm not the god of cinema. I can't be like, hey, uh, your boom mic was in the shot. You fucked up and you, you yeah. should have ADR'd that. I don't know. Like, you know, I, I apologize. I know people on the show have heard this story before. But me and Clark have introed movies that are, we lo- like he said, we love indie. This is where we, uh, we wade through the indie mud. And we'll get up there and we try to present a film and get people excited for it. And we've been at Film Fest where people stood up and applauded during the movie. We're just laughing, having a great time. And then we stand out there, we're handing out ballads. And somebody will be like literally wiping tears from their cheeks. They'll be like, oh, okay, thanks. And then the one star, give it back to me. And I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? And they're like, oh, it was fucking terrible. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what did you, what did you come here the time for? of your life in there. Dude, you, I mean, that's, yeah. I'm like, I think something needs to change. And uh, I don't know. I think I do have the correct right of reviewing these your rating system is bananas (laughs) it makes no sense no but i again that's that's why we're on here and i that's why i think it's important or it might even be beneficial if you guys did review stuff and just let people know like you know um you're deep thinkers who appreciate the art i can tell only hanging out for you with you guys for a half hour that you guys think more about this than you know half the people we know and that's all i really want is some thoughtful film yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I, I, it's funny. I remember the uh, how I got into um, thinking of movies as more more than just a, a pastime. When I was a kid um, on PBS, they would, you know, I'm sure you've heard of Siskel and Ebert, right? Sure, famous critics, and they would review films. And it was the first time I've ever ever heard anybody talking about movies the way they talked about them. You know, talking about character development and, you know, the structure and this act worked, but the third act didn't work. You know, and I'd never 
you know, and this is when I was a little kid and I, and I was just like, wow, man, this is like, uh, this is more than just like something for fun. You know I mean? There's, there are people that actually take this seriously. And, um, when I was in the 10th grade, uh, we had a, a class bulletin board and the teacher said, well, everybody can choose what they want to do on the bulletin board. And I was like, I would like to be the movie critic, <laughs> you know? So they're like, okay. And I think they were expecting me to like review like Pinocchio or something. And I came in the next week with my review of some um, of all that jazz, Bob Fosse. <laughs> and the teacher was like, you saw this movie? I was like, yeah. <laughs> choreography was fantastic (laughs) so i think from a very early age i i i I, you know i certainly don't think of myself as an expert in anything but i you know i try to be thoughtful about anything really that i want to involve myself in and uh you know participate in oh see i like that you know he's yeah i think we're similar minded in that way because when i was in the third grade we had to do a um current events project and we had to get um, an article in the newspaper, just find any article in the newspaper and report on it. And I decided that even, uh, you know, I was going to be a journalist at, at age eight or whatever yeah. you're in the third grade. And I brought in a report on sudden infant death syndrome. <laughs> oh my God. And then my teacher had a, a conference with my mother to yeah. make sure that I was okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Amazing. You great. A plus. Okay. I did a great job. Yeah, sounds. There you go. That that so that was my that was my all that jazz. Yeah, you know, for sure. So I'm right there with you, Spider. Yeah, I um, the Cisco and Ebert thing's interesting because those dudes, I love looking them up now on YouTube because every time they brought their like highbrow condescension to like horror genre, yeah, it ended up being the best review. Like like nothing will make you want to go see Maniac more than those two. Yeah, I think that's like one of their most famous. Like, this is bad for society. Like, you know, we're we're taking a dark turn in America kind of approaches, and man, they sell that movie. Yeah, well, interesting. I think they had the same reaction. It wasn't a horror movie, so to speak, but uh, I I don't remember which one of them. I think it might have been Siskel. They did. I saw recently saw when they originally reviewed Taxi Driver. Oh, and I think that Cisco was like, "This does no place in uh, society. This movie, it's just like you know, they they you know realized what a talent Martin Scorsese was, but they they was like they were split on Taxi Driver, which is hilarious when you think about it. Now I actually just watched it last night again, and uh, nothing would make me want to see a movie more. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I think they actually retracted their Ace Ventura review. Because they gave it two thumbs down, and they're like, "We were wrong." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Time doesn't treat comedies well. No, um, no. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I don't know. Review is weird nowadays too. Uh, one of the things you guys were talking about on the movie crypt was just you know the like culture of negativity, and I think a lot of that is just driven by everybody trying to be a star on social media. And if you have a hot take, if you can get people kind of like angry about something. Oh, they might, you'll get their attention. I don't, so, okay. Now, I don't know if this is taboo or not, but Spider, now being related to Rob Zombie, do you end up fielding like negativity or like positivity? Does, does anybody look at your like venture into film and kind of weigh it against his? You know, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of early to say. Um, I mean, it does come up in interviews, which is I'm fine with. I have no issue talking about it. Um, 
because there's there's nothing really weird about it. I think that you know it, it, if there's an assumption that I'm only doing it because he's doing it or he somehow is assisting me, you know that's not correct. You know, I mean we we are only two years apart uh, in age, and we grew up in the same household, and we grew up loving the same things, and we are very much. Uh, similar people in our on our tastes and our attitudes towards things and um but you know when we do create stuff the aesthetic does end up being different you know what i mean so i think that people when they do see allegory or anything i do um whether they like it or not i think there's no denying that it is definitely like my own voice you know i'm not out there trying to make like you know devil rejects junior you know what i mean i'm just that's you know, he has a very, very specific aesthetic. Well, I mean, he's, he actually has a quite a wide variety of, I shouldn't say that he, he's made quite a few different kinds of movies, but, um, yeah. but I think people will see, you know, uh, that there is a, a uniqueness to what I do as compared to what he does. Yeah. I think, I think when you're authentic to yourself, which I believe both of them are, I think that your voice comes through and, you know, they're their own person. So it's, you know, I, I love what both of them do, but I think that it's, that's kind of great that they come from the same household, like all the same things. They're truly like two little old ladies when they talk to each other. It's shocking. <laughs> but they create these really, really unique, specific things to their own voice. And that's what a real artist does, you know, whether it's music or movies or painting or anything. So, you know, it's, it's a cool thing to be around. Yeah. Rob's a really great example, like a success example for me to look towards uh, in terms of being, you know, if he's anything, he's, he's one of the most uncompromising people that I know. You know what I mean? He doesn't care what, if you love it or hate it. He's going to, it is going to be what he wants it to be. Um, and I think that's such a refreshing uh, attitude because, you know, it is very, very difficult to make a movie. It's very difficult mm -hmm. to have a band. It's very difficult to do anything of any merit, for, let alone get to a success level like he has. So, you know, so it's very tempting to to compromise and to bend and to well, yeah, well, cast this person if they, you know, and but to his credit, he he never does that, and he's just like, I'm going to do it my way. You can love it, you can hate it, but you know, and I think that that's a you know something that has has rubbed up on me um, in terms of going like, I'm going to do it this way, and if if I can't, well, fuck it, I don't care. You know, I'm not going to, or I won't do it. You know what I mean? I'm not that desperate for fame money or success to do stuff that i'm not comfortable with you know well i mean yeah because you know the, i mean you know you've been a creative you know your entire life so i you know i don't think that it's a huge shift to go into that because i imagine you know you're the way that you went with your music career pretty much the same way that you're doing it with your film career right of just like letting it rip man yeah, you just do it all yourself. You, you, you know, very, the band has always been very, very DIY. Even when we were on MTV and had a major label, we were, I was still doing everything myself, still designing the wardrobe for the band, still designing the album covers, still writing the press releases, still, you know, I would, I would get very strategic to, to, to avoid interference from the major. I would hand in the artwork like two days late so they couldn't change it. You know what I mean? Things like that. I would get, so, you know, in the same thing with the films, I mean, we just, there's, and it's kind of an amazing, you know, we, we are doing these indie films, um, you know, you eliminate the gatekeeper, you know, for a long time after Death yeah. Valley, I was trying to pitch a lot of TV shows and it just got very, very frustrating. 
you know, I'd go to Netflix or some, you know, and you'd, you'd have this great pitch meeting and you'd be convinced you just sold your new show and then you'd never hear from them. And, you know, I started realizing that making a movie is kind of like having a band, you know, you can do it. You can make a movie. You, know, you can make a movie for $10 if you want. You can make them, you know, you can make a movie on your phone. You can make a movie on a, a VHS camcorder. You just have to do the work. You know, you just have to get off your ass and learn. If there's something you don't know how to do, you learn how to do it. You know, you and you you just work really hard. And that's all we've done. We're no more or less qualified than anybody else, I guess. But we just work really hard at what we do and don't sleep and do, you know, and never stop working on these things. So, you know, it's lesson learned for anyone out there. I'm sure there are a lot of filmmakers or wannabe filmmakers will listen to this podcast and really there is no gatekeeper you are you are your own gatekeeper just get to work you know that is one of the great things about like the modern era of like film yeah um you'd strike me as very calculated but below the uh bleach blonde hair (laughs) i see uh that deep intellect in your eyes and i'm starting to think your real name's not spider but uh, we'll do that later (laughs) and you know i brought up the rob thing because I remember when he went on Rogan, he said something that stuck with me forever. And he was like, you know, making movies isn't casting. It's getting your crane out of the mud. And he was just talking like this warlike logistics. And, you know, we've been, we've been doing a goddamn podcast now for like, what, six years? Six years. So he's a constant topic in horror. Sure. And he seems to have this kind of like stressful relationship with the studio system, which I kind of love because... You know, we love indie horror. That's why we do a fucking found footage film fest. These are people who are literally making, you know, the fear footage on their iPad. Yeah. Like the whole damn thing. So when you veered in here and it's like, oh shit, it looks like Spider's just doing this on his own. Yeah. I got pretty excited because I'm like, yeah, fuck the studio, fuck producers. Like, come in here. I want to see what you think. And, you know, from your band, I know you definitely got an eye for aesthetics and, uh, I really wish we could have saw that fucking screener. I know. I can't believe you were talking about a movie that you haven't seen, but maybe that's good. I don't know. Maybe now you'll be more curious to watch it. And, uh, you know. No. So, <laughs> so uh, I've been told, Oksana, we do have access to the screener now. Okay. okay. So Can we watch it so, together right now. And, I mean, we, we definitely could. Um, but uh, guys, we're going to release this on Thursday. So we have an episode on Tuesday. So we're going to cover the film on Tuesday be a good prequel to go into this on Thursday. Yeah. So we've got you covered. We're, we're calculated too, so we can rip the movie <laughs> and you guys can't have any rebuttal. Mm-hmm. You all will. Right. You're going to love it. I guarantee it. <laughs> hey, I watched the trip. So this is okay. We do this show and we have guests on every week. S- sometimes we want it like, okay, American movie. That's a film. And um, it's, about, it's about a couple of characters, right? Mm-hmm. And the documentary is really good. Uh, Coven, Coven, not a great film. We do book Easy. guests on here or who are people we want to talk to who we think didn't make the best movie. Yeah. Uh, you, you do not fall under that. And honestly, I think the, the reason our eyes opened up to the movie was because of your attachment to it, Spider. And when we watched the trailer, I was like, oh, holy shit. This looks like I really wish we could have got that screen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's but our fine. drunk assistant doesn't know how to press buttons. All right. Well, we talked about Rob Zombie. So uh, Chrissy, just kidding. She's not a drunk. Let's, she Chris, prefers pills. Are you done? Are you done berating my lady? I can't help. It's a sickness. <laughs> All right. Well, we talked about Rob Zombie, so let's talk about uh, Chrissy's Hollywood uh, sibling, uh, Megan Fox. 
And uh, will you be collaborating with her anytime soon? I wish she was my Hollywood sibling. Um, that would be pretty amazing. Uh, I think we. Yeah, you don't have to answer that. I kind of look like her a little bit. Now, totally. You're like a mix between Megan Fox, Hillary Swank, and Nev Campbell. It's like all in a blender. <laughs> I'll take it. I'm, none of those names are bad to me. <laughs> so, Chrissy, you're, you're a Scream fan. How do you feel about Nev Campbell not coming back for the new one? I, I'm really disappointed. I don't even know what to do with that. Um, <laughs> I, uh, my, my really good friend, Angel, who works at Fangoria, her and I waited till the opening night of the new scream and we went to like this like special screening and with and everyone was like dressed up in the costumes and it was just like we i i can't tell you the last time i've been that excited like i felt like i was gonna throw up before it started and um and then yeah and so ever since then we're like oh there's gonna be another one there's gonna be another one and i don't know I'm just hoping that they pull something and she ends up showing up and this is all like <laughs> a publicity thing and because I, I don't know how to watch screen without her although I you know spoiler alert if you haven't seen the new one we have there's a pretty major character that we'll have to do without as well so but you know they brought the wrong cat, character so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should have been Gail just saying oh would you stop with your Gail hate <laughs> So yeah, I like Gale. Hey, I'm glad you guys have ventured into indie horror. And um, when is this coming out? It's on August second. Well, August first officially on Shutter, and then August second everywhere on VOD. So I think for to clean it up, we're saying August second. But you, you, I think you will be able to watch it on Shutter on August first. Well, we will be doing a watch along with Rue Morgue on August first, and you can join us on it. With so we'll, we're actually going to screen the movie with people and do a Q and A after, which will be really fun and online. So you could watch along and pay no attention to the movie because everybody just be talking on, on Zoom. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Now, um, on oh man, I hate to say this, and I'm guessing you both are like huge fans of the theater like we are also fuck the russos again who said that's right what did they say about theaters they're overrated or something they said it was um yeah uh, randy you actually read the article um (laughs) what did they say randy i'm having a hard time remember now all right thanks randy you idiots okay yeah we just woke him up it was elitist that's right that's that's the word yeah, that the, the notion of going to the theater was elitist because it's so expensive these days. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, a ridiculous statement. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry. You don't need to say anything. We'll make hey, fun of them. Hey, you know, these are the geniuses that brought us you, me, and Dupree. Well, <laughs> Here's the thing. I think there is um, there's some value to online community screening. We've done two film fests. Uh, one of them, we we did a marathon that ran 36 hours long. It was 28. You're it terrible was 28. at math. I was awake for 42 hours. That's why I always confuse that. There you go. And then we did another one that was eight hours long. And, I mean, we never got into making a film fest to do an online screening. So when we, what, our la- at the last Unnamed Footage Festival, we had four different theaters in San Francisco that we were a part of. And then you get back online and it feels almost like a betrayal. Like, this is not the way we should be watching movies. Mm-hmm. But just to defend the room work thing, I do think a lot of casual fans who are not willing to pay to go see a movie or just, I don't know, it's not their favorite art form anymore, they will jump in on a live stream and you can win them over. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it's um, super fun. I think it's such a cool thing to actually get to interact with people while they're watching the movie. It's so cool. 
Oh, for sure. And how, do you know the platform they're going to use or uh, what it's going to look like? I forget what it's called. It's it's on their website and on their Twitter. Um, uh, yeah, and it's, as long as you have... Yeah, I don't know how they do I think it's a it's somehow... Isn't it connected with Shutter? It is, they, but there is a platform they're using. Um, it, but yeah, if you... I could probably look it up. We're very prepared to promote I mean, it. look, my point of view from this whole thing is like, you know, look, there's always going to be an evolution of everything. And there's an evolution of film. I understand that. But I think that the creation of film, it was spawned from it being a communal thing. And I don't think that ever should go away from film. So that is why I hold, you know, theaters at such a high value. And that's why I hold theaters as, you know, temples of, you know, this religion that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, the live streaming and all that, that's also great because it's still a very intimate sense of community. And, you know, I, I just feel, I just don't want to lose that. That's just my thing. is because I think that, that film should be experienced as, you know, as a community. Well, well yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, if, if, you, if you parallel what you're seeing happening in film with what happened in music, is I'll tell you from firsthand what you what you will lose if you lose the theater experiences. You will lose any sense of event, any sense of uh, importance of a film, any sense of community, like you said. You know, the same thing happens now. Like when we used to put records out 10, 10 20 years ago, it was like this exciting event. You would, you know, get this, you would see it in the record store. They'd hang your poster up. You do an in-store, you do a signing. Your video was on MTV on Tuesday night. And there was all this stuff that went around it. And now, quite literally, if I put a new record out and it's coming out Tuesday, I open up my laptop, I look on Spotify and I go, yep, there it is. Yep. And I close and I go to go, let's go get lunch. And I feel like there's that same thing that can happen, will will happen with movies unless we protect some element of of the event. You know, you know, I think about that movie that came out recently on Netflix, that Don't Look Up movie. Mm-hmm. Massive film, biggest stars in the world. Had that come out in the 90s, probably would have been people lining up around the block to see it and people going out mm-hmm. to dinner afterwards and talking about it. And and it's just this and maybe billion a billion people watch that movie on Netflix. I don't know, but it doesn't even feel like it exists. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I feel like that's really the the fear that I have about movies just moving for, further and further away from theatrical is just you're just going to lose that excitement level that people, you know, go back and Google pictures of people waiting in line for Jaws or Star Wars. And it's just like, man, what a crazy time, you know? Or like and, um, how scared people were when they were in line to go to The Exorcist for the first time, and just everyone's terrified uh, waiting outside the theater. It's so cool. I mean, that said, I mean, I can't be angry at tech, the advance in technology because it's really the reason why we're able to make our own movies because we can we can get the cameras, we can get the gear, we can you know, and it, and it it's a lot, you can edit a film at home. Whereas before you'd have these giant reels of film. And, you know, so I appreciate in one way advances, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, it seems to be hurting the, uh, I don't know. Yeah. The communal experience. And, you know, we've done a couple of screenings in theater of allegoria and it's an entirely different experience. Oh yeah. Yep. And it's so much fun and you can, there's certain parts of the film where you just hear people respond and you hear them connect the dots or you, you know, or laugh or whatever. And it's just, you'll never know that 
at home watching it alone who's reacting to it you know unless they when they you know write a review or something online so i felt i felt yeah. like watching it with an audience there was people reacting to things that i didn't even think anyone would react to that didn't seem like a big deal when we made it or cut it but then you know that's, yeah. that's always the fun of watching with an audience people like laughing at something that you're like oh wow, I, I thought that was just kind of a whatever moment, but it was it's really funny to an audience and people are responding to that. It's it's exciting to hear, you know, just, just the surprises or like, you know, someone really reacting to a certain death scene that you just didn't think that people would love as much as they did. It's really cool. There's nothing like it. Yeah. It's actually really good for comedy too, because, you know, when you think about the laugh track, I used to have a really weird relationship with like uh, Nick Knight and stuff like I needed a laugh track even in just a regular movie format because I didn't know what a cue was Yeah, so much. I would have to have a laugh track here at the oh house. Just, you know, when I'm in the kitchen with you, <laughs> you No, know, but you know, when we're talking about communal experience, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and make it even worse. There's something beautiful about watching a film with people, right? But there's something even worse watching them alone. And it's when a movie really works and it just, it grabs you and it gets your imagination and you're alone, you kind of, you want to bounce it off of people and like explore ideas or maybe you didn't really get it, but it had an emotional impact. And what do you do? You fucking jump on YouTube where there's usually somebody who is just going to like in the most unartistic, complete lack of like any kind of poetry or style. They will just by the number break down. They'll just unravel the enigma. Like you can see this a lot with like the shining why the shining's weird. And there's like a guy in the thumbnail and then you go through it and they go step by step. And then I think a lot of people they'll, they'll take in that 15 minutes and then they'll be like, Oh, yep. And it's done. The movie's dead and they don't even think about it again. And the thing with, you know, the reason why we thought it was important to bring found footage movies into a theater was literally what we're talking about. Where at uh, the Balboa out here, they have a beautiful lobby and when you put on a film fest, it's the best thing to catch people out there and be like, Hey, what'd you think? And just, yeah. even if they didn't like it, just to bounce ideas and talk about art because that's going away, which is rough. Yeah. I mean, you know, Nope is a perfect example. I mean, I w we went on tour, so I went with a couple of my band members and crew and like, we're still talking about it because there was a wide variety of opinions about the movie. You know what I mean? Um, but we're still like, Hey man, do you, you figure out what that part meant and like you know we, we're still discussing it so and had we all just watched it at home we probably wouldn't you know probably wouldn't, sure. even, wouldn't even come up oh yeah know? i remember i went and i went to the theater by myself in the middle of the day to see the strangers and i it's one of my favorite movies the movie scared the shit out of me and i didn't even want to go home but i was so excited about it that i i called up a bunch of friends and like my dad and i was like we have to go again. We have to go tonight. And because uh, I had to experience it with other people because I had no one to talk to, you know, and I wanted to see how they reacted. My dad actually screamed out loud in the theater, which was amazing. <laughs> there's been a few movies like that because I'm that person that I'm like, you know, wow, I have a couple free hours at 11 a.m. I'll go see a scary movie in the theater. Absolutely. I'm sometimes the only person in there. But yeah, when it's something like that that you love so much, it's the worst thing watching it by yourself. God, you two are probably fantastic to go to the movie theater with because Chrissy, we, we have a couple friends who are just enthusiastic and like they'll roll into anything sight unseen as, as long as it's horror and like 
just be happy about it. But then I see Spider over here, and I know the type who's like kind of quiet when you get out of the movie. And it's like, all right, dude, you're gonna pull him aside and be like, "What do you think?" Like you, you can tell me away from everybody else. And uh, I don't know if y'all are ever in the Bay Area. We know all the good spots if you want to go see. Yeah, we should do it. Let's do it. Yeah, we've definitely had times going to the movies together where we'll walk out, and she'll be like. What'd you think? And I'll be like, eh. She's like, I loved it. I'm like, what are you? T-? Like, we've just had the completely different experience, you know. What I mean? But that's that's part of the fun too, you know. Yeah, I think. We and then to- I spend the next hour trying to convince her why it wasn't good, and she's trying to tell me why it was. And, you know, oh, we went through a phase where we were going to the movies a lot with Rob and Sherry, actually, and we would always have these like debates after. But it was the most fun. We're like, hey, what are we seeing next week? Because yeah, everyone had such different opinions, and it was just like, no way, are you crazy? Or three of us would love it, and one person would be like. Hated it, and you're like, "What? How? You know, it's so much fun." I need, I need time to process it most of the time. Like Russell's ready, like he's got a dissertation, like at the tip of his tongue as soon as the credits roll, and you're ready to rock. I I need time to process. It. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like I got a touch of the ADD, and if I'm not fully locked in a movie, then when I get out of it, I'm kind of like, I feel like I missed it. Like, like, hey, okay, I'm only going to ask for about one thing. I know we got to wrap up here. What I love that we haven't talked about allegory at all, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, like, don't worry. We're going to be doing the groundwork. We're going to get people to watch that movie. Okay, and uh, you, you let the selling up to us, Spider. We'll take yeah, care. right, dude. I mean, hey, honestly, <laughs> the best way to sell these films is to get the filmmaker on here and then just let them prove that they're excited about the the genre and the 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 format of art. Like, clearly, people are going to walk away from this and be like, Spider. He's he's a movie fan. Like y'all y'all are in it. I don't think you're going to be trying to steal anybody's money with Allegoria. So I'm yeah. Yeah, I'm fully in. Okay, yeah. Good. Um. What the hell is they going to ask you about? Did you guys see Crimes of the Future? Not yet. Not yet. I really want to see it though. All right, watch that movie and then argue about it. <laughs> and if we ever talk to you, I'll follow up because that's I was the one person in the movie theater. What we saw it with like. I didn't see it. Oh, you didn't see it. Okay. We saw it with like nine people and I was the only one. I'm like, I dug it. And everyone else was like, Ooh, it's really, so yeah. I've been trying to keep track of movies I've seen, but I did not see that. I watched, uh, I saw this movie on the plane called Wolf. Have you seen this? Wolf? Yeah. It's not a horror movie. It's kind of a horror movie. It's about a guy who thinks he's a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> did it come out last year? 2021. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know of it. We watched Men. Did you see that? Oh, we saw Men. Yeah, yeah. I took an edible before Men, and I uh, (laughs) I could have lived in that tunnel scene for the rest of my life. Oh my god! Yeah, that was a crazy movie. Yeah, that tunnel scene. That to me is anxiety. You know, you're like you're walking around. You got a lot of shit on your mind. You're dealing with some trauma, but you're like, let me go out in the woods, and you get in the hall. And you're in this tunnel and it's almost like it's like a fairy world. You're in another beautiful uh, application of the visual medium. Like I really felt like I was there. Yeah. Then you start doing the echo. I'm completely lost. And then uh, you see a dude down there. Who's naked. Who's naked. (laughs) And I really feel like if she would have just stayed there and like faced her fear, her surmounting anxiety, which was, dude, it was amplified by the the volume, the noise. It's it was almost like the Kubrick uh, vanishing point thing. You know how everybody fucking rips off Kubrick now. Yeah, like it's either, myself yeah. included. Okay, when you watch Allegoria, you'll see it. <laughs> no, it's, see when you're a friend, it's called homage. When yeah. we don't like you, it's there called you ripping them off. And uh, 
I know. I really feel like if she would have just stayed and like let the guy run at okay, her, so it would have been. Like, of, as a woman, if you stand there in a tunnel alone <laughs> and a naked dude's running at you, you're a fucking idiot. That's right. She did the right. Yeah, don't, don't let Louis C.K. Okay. come chasing you. In right. now, you're like, um, she should have just run towards him and embraced him. She could have taken him. Yeah. Um, now, here's the. Okay, Oksana, you're the mean one in our relationship. So she constantly tries <laughs> to get me in fights. Take their advice, please. Back down from um, naked men running at you. <laughs> it's good advice. <laughs> Trust me. All right. I promise I won't call on you anymore. I think we wasted enough of their time. Jim. Well, <laughs> Spider, Chrissy, again, we apologize for our alcoholic producer who could not get the screener uh, correct. But um, I, I'm, I'm a little, I, I'm not buying your story because don't you just pr- press play? <laughs> It was a situation with an authenticator. Hold on. Don't we have a PR person in here? Yes. Camila, can you jump in here and clear this up? <laughs> it I mean, I'm probably it. the most technologically uh, deficient person there is. And I could, I learned how to, I knew how to play the screen. Yeah. No, come on. You just Camila, have to put in the code from the Google authenticator. All right, Oksana. <laughs> <laughs> your, your mic is on. There you go. It was because I had a new device. I had to have it reset by screeners.com. Uh, yes, new okay. devices require you to reset. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm believing the story now. Okay. There we go. Yeah, she was drunk. She's out of control. That's right. <laughs> um, Spider, Chrissy, thank you so much. I, I really mean it. I don't envy you guys doing a podcast PR tour. And I, I hope you had some fun hanging out with us. I know we stole a lot of time, and uh, we're really appreciative. And even 100%. if we hate the movie, we'll lie. That's right. Five stars on Letterboxd. I, I am going to bet that you will both like the movie. Okay. Because I think that we, I, no, I don't think, I know we made a movie that needs no apologies. Um, you know, I Love think, it. you know, we, we're, I, at least I try to be really thoughtful of when I try to, when I set out to do something to know I can accomplish it. Um, you know, we didn't try to make Star Wars. You know what I mean? We didn't, you know what I mean? So we, we made a movie that fundamentally is, was completely achievable. And we have the best cast. Like the, the fact that I was able to convince the level of actors to be in this movie is a miracle that they trusted to be in my movie. So if anything, you will see that everyone in this movie is like a stellar actor and actress. So um, I think you're going to like it. I hope so anyway. <laughs> Perfect. I agree. All right. <laughs> hey, I love you guys. Thank you so much for hanging out. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having us. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Statt. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. <laughs>